Why don't I pray for us before we get stuck in? Our Father, we do praise you that you are a speaking God, and we do pray tonight that you might give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, uh, that you might open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see uh, the hope to which we have been called, that we might see the glorious inheritance that awaits us, and that we might know the power that is at work in us now. For your praise and glory. Amen. Well, uh, tonight we start our new sermon series, uh, looking at the book of 1 Peter, and we're calling it different. Have we got some fancy graphics? We're calling it different because uh, 1 Peter is all about how Christians are different. And uh, it's all about how Christians are to be different in the world. Uh, Peter calls um, the, the, the people he's writing to uh, temporary residents and aliens. Um, the NIV translates aliens and strangers. Uh, he's writing to people and he tells them, you are different. Now the thing about being different is that we hate being different, don't we? Um, we hate being different. I hated being sent to school as a kid in these daggy white cheap trainers uh, sneakers, uh, when everyone else was being sent to school in Nikes. Um, I've grown a beard just so that I can fit in when I'm hanging out with hipsters or if I'm hanging out with clergy and the, and the Jesus geeks. I hate being different. And I worry, and I assume you do, I worry a lot about people thinking that I am a weirdo Christian. So I might be uh, chatting to some friends and they'll say to me, Andy, how was your weekend? And I'll say, it was great. I went to church. And as the, the words, uh, the moment the words leave my mouth, I'm worrying that they will think this as I go to church, a weird snake-waving uh, church. Come to Vision Night, we're doing that in 2016. Um, I might be hanging out with some friends and they'll say, they'll be chatting about, I don't know, the same-sex marriage debate. And they'll say, Andy, what do you think as a Christian? And I'll say something, I'll try and say something about what the Bible thinks on the whole subject. And I will immediately be worrying that they'll be thinking this. And, uh, you know, I will go to a party with some friends and they'll get enthusiastic and they'll get the tequila out. And they'll say, Andy, come on, uh, down some shots of tequila with us. And I'll decline. And immediately I'll be thinking that they are thinking this of me. You know, you just hate being different. We all fear being seen as the sandal-wearing, zucchini-slice-loving, weirdo, fundamentalist Christian. And we like being told, uh, you're a Christian and you're pretty normal. Uh, someone said that to me the other week. He said, uh, you're a Christian, Andy, and you're pretty normal. You don't try and stuff it down my face. And I'm like, oh, I took that as an insult, but they were trying to compliment me. Um, the reality is, whatever uh, we, however we feel about being different, however much we try to fit in not to be different, we live in an increasingly hostile world as Christians. You're not allowed to talk about God without it being socially awkward. Uh, you can't disagree on same-sex marriage without being branded a bigot. You're not allowed to suggest that someone might become a Christian. You're not allowed to openly say, why don't you become a Christian? You should become a Christian. That's socially awkward and unacceptable. Uh, well, the, the, the the, 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 the people who Peter was writing to were facing 
a similar issue. They weren't uh, facing physical violence. Uh, They were facing uh, the same social pressures that we face. They were facing uh, verbal slander, malicious talk, false accusations. They all come up in in the letter of 1 Peter. Uh, The same is true for us, isn't it? We face all of those things. We probably won't get sacked for being a Christian. We probably won't get beaten up uh, for being Christians. The police aren't going to storm through the door tonight. But we will face a real threat of slander, of being socially marginalised. We might get left out of the drinks invite. Uh, We may well indeed, and some of you may well be uh, facing alienation from family and friends. Those are real things, and they are hurtful and uh, they, we feel them greatly. Now, the danger for the people that Peter was writing to um, was, not, was, was, was not so much... Uh, um, sorry, the danger uh, from those things for the people that Peter was writing to was that they would keep their heads down as followers of Jesus, that they would keep their heads down and pretend that they weren't Christians, or that they would shut their mouths about Jesus... And uh, gradually over time that they would lose their difference in the world and blend in. And that's the danger for us as we face these pressures in our world. That we would blend in. That we would become more and more like Sydney. Until in the end there is nothing different about us. Apart from the fact that we hang out at a weird building on a Sunday evening. And we end up looking just like... Everyone else in Sydney, with Sydney's priorities, with their Sydney's values, Sydney's allegiances, with a Sydney's view of work, sex, and relationship, until slowly over time we become just like everyone else and blend into society. Well, Peter doesn't want that to happen for the people he's writing to, and he doesn't want that to happen to us. And so we hear uh, Peter writing to this group of. Christians, you see, he's writing to uh, 1 verse 1, to the temporary residents dispersed in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He's writing to these Christians who are scattered throughout modern-day Turkey. Uh, That word, uh, temporary residents, literally means refugees. So these are the weirdos of uh, of modern-day Turkey. They are different, he says, and he says uh, you are different, therefore you should be different in the world. Uh, One preacher said that the the purpose of 1 Peter is so that Christians will stick out like a good thumb in a world full of sore thumbs. That's brilliant, isn't it? Peter says, live such good lives among the Gentiles that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he comes back. Uh, We think that being different is a bad thing, but Peter says it is a good thing in these opening, chapter, these opening verses. He said it is it's a good thing. It is so good. Did you see that verse 12? It is so good that even angels long to look into what you have. So I just want to focus tonight on three ways in which we are different. Different in a good way. If you're not a Christian here tonight, and I hope you'll see the hope that Christians have. I hope you'll see that the the hope that Christians have. This letter is written to Christians, but it has got buckets of hope on display to see what's on offer in Jesus. So uh, first difference tonight, uh, Christians have a different hope. Uh, Let's pick it up at verse 3. 
Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter kicks off this extraordinary letter by setting our hopes on the future, on what we have in Jesus. He says that when you believed in Christ, you were given this inheritance of eternal life. And it's very special indeed. Do you see how special it is? He kind of uh, portrays it as the biblical equivalent of the stuff that black boxes are made out of on planes. He says nothing can destroy it. No one can touch it. Not even your atheist boss who gives you a hard time day in, day out. It's not going to fade over the years. The sun isn't going to bleach it. And one day when Jesus returns, when he comes down from heaven, he will bring your inheritance with you and personally deliver it to you. And we will enjoy eternity forever. Uh, We were talking about some of those amazing blessings of the new heavens and the new earth over our our two-week heaven series. And we saw that the new creation will be a place where there is no more mourning or crying or pain. It will be extraordinary, this inheritance. Uh, uh, And did you notice it is being kept for us? Nothing can take it from us. Nothing can touch it. Well, not only is our inheritance being kept for us, but we are being kept for it. Did you notice that? Verse 5, you are being protected by God's power through, through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's extraordinary, isn't it? That our inheritance is being kept for us, and we are being kept for it. Um, I was once uh, waiting in in a hotel um, in London in a lobby, and I was waiting for a client, and all of a sudden, all of these uh, blokes in black suits surrounded me. They had uh, uh, black suits, men in black kind of costume. They had black ties, black suits, uh, dark glasses, earpieces, and little American pins. And I thought, hey, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, the president of Afghanistan uh, appears at the top of the stairs. And they move from me, and they surround the president of Afghanistan. And they surround him and take him out to the car. And they get, all get in the car, and the big uh, armoured cars either side. And they take him 100 metres up the road to the, to, the, to the American embassy, where he was having a meeting with Condoleezza Rice, who apparently left the hotel through the tradesman's exit. Well, uh, just in the way that those uh, men in black were protecting the president of Afghanistan, well, if you trust in Jesus, God is protecting you in the same way. As you walk, I don't know, as you walk into the hostile office, God is protecting you. As you speak up for Jesus when you meet with your friends, God is protecting you. Uh, as you speak up for Jesus in the office and say, I'd rather not do that because I'm a Christian. God has got your back. It won't be easy. Uh, we will face hard times. There's no, that's the only thing that seems to be promised in the Bible for the now is that we will face hard times and persecution. We will face trials. But nothing, nothing is uh, going to touch your inheritance. If your faith is genuine, 
Nothing is going to touch you, and nothing is going to stop you from meeting. Uh, you, for, nothing is going to stop you from meeting it in the new creation. It's extraordinary. No one else in the world has this kind of hope. Everyone else is trying to earn their future. Everyone else is trying to keep hold of what they've got and secure their future. But for the Christian, when you read this, you realise that your future is secure. Eternity with Christ in a perfect world. It's secure and you are being kept for it. And it changes the way that you view the now. It changes the way you suffer. It changes the way you work. It changes the way you relate to people. It changes the way that you do family. And Peter's going to go on to explain how we should be different in this hostile world. You see, nothing, uh, nothing that the world throws at us will take our inheritance away. You get given a hard time in the office for being a Christian. The worst they can do is sack you. And that's not going to make any difference in 30,000 years' time uh, when you're with Jesus, your, uh, your inheritance in your possession. This hostile world may take your job, may take your freedom of speech, it might become illegal to meet like this, but this world cannot take your inheritance, and that is an amazing hope. We have a different hope. And this, Peter says, gives us a different joy. Did you spot the, uh, the repetition of joy in verses 6 and 8? So verse 6, you rejoice in this. And then verse 8, you believe in him and rejoice with an inexpressible glorious joy. I don't know what an inexpressible glorious joy is. But a uh, great joy as God keeps you through hard times uh, and gives you this security in Jesus... It brings us joy. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, hard times, joy, they don't really go together. Uh, but the hope there is, you see the hope there in verse 6. Have a look at verse, verse 6. It's a great verse. Uh, Peter says, you rejoice in this, though now for a short time you've had to struggle in various trials. At that phrase, short time, the NIV translates, little while. In comparison to eternity, our life, our 80 years, 80, 90, 100 years on the planet is described as a little while. And that's amazing, isn't it? That transforms the way you do life, the way you face hard times. You can see uh, why Peter compares your faith to gold in verse 7. He says your faith is more valuable than gold and your faith in Jesus is more imperishable than gold. I think gold's pretty imperishable, isn't it? If we were to burn, the, uh, burn this place down, the things that would be left would be the gold, if we had any. Um, it's pretty imperishable. Peter says your faith, if you're the genuine article, is more imperishable than gold. And as you trust in Jesus, you, you see how precious that faith is day in, day out. As you see Jesus keeping you, as you get up, out of your bed another day as a Christian you can look back and see how Jesus has kept you for your inheritance for eternity and that should be a great source of joy so if you're having one of those what did you call them Julian? Uh, one of those moments when you're having one of those moments look back and see how God has kept you as a Christian and that should give you much joy 
Well, not only does our faith produce joy in us, it also produces glory for God. Have a look at the end of verse 7. So that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you see how that works? As, As Jesus keeps us through hard times, our faith is proved genuine, and so uh, that results in the glory of God. Let me um, illustrate that with a 1980s TV advert. In the 1980s, um, the, a wallpaper paste uh, company wanted to demonstrate just how strong its wallpaper glue is. And so what they did is they glued a, a man to a wooden board. And uh, they literally glued a white suit. They put him in and they uh, strapped him to a, to a helicopter and they elevated him up over the skyscrapers and dangled him from this helicopter. And everyone said, look, how strong is your wallpaper glue? Uh, Well, in the same way that we looked at this man on the TV dangling high above the city, and we all go, wow, look at that wallpaper glue. So as we see Jesus keeping us, we all go, wow, God is amazing. As we see him keeping us through hard times, we're to go, wow, God is amazing. As we see him keeping other people through hard times, we're to go, wow, God is amazing. The rest of the world strives after self-glory. Peter says that God is at work in you, glorifying himself as he keeps you for his inheritance. I've been encouraged this week by hearing of a number of people doing it tough and clinging hold of Jesus, seeing Jesus uh, keeping hold of them. I heard of a a CEO who got um, maligned for um, sharing his testimony of how he became a Christian to his company. Everyone gave him a hard time for that. I've heard uh, of multiple friends this week with sickness and depression, and I've seen Jesus keep hold of them, keep hold of them day in, day out. And you go, wow, God, you are good. Multiple people, uh, uh, multiple friends I've chatted to this week, uh, single people who have, have decided to actually do relationships God's way. And so they've said no to, uh, no to the, to the uh, uh, relationships that God doesn't want them in. And that's been tough. But you see Jesus keeping them. And that is an amazing encouragement. And it brings glory to God. Peter says, although we do not see... Jesus physically, we have much reason to thank him, to rejoice in him, and bring glory to to God. Well, finally, um, we've seen that we have a different hope, we have a different joy, and finally we see that we are on a a different path. Verses 10 to 12. As you live the Christian life, it's very easy, I think, to think that you're on this loser's path, Uh, You're following your invisible friend. Uh, You've got this strange appreciation for guitar music. Uh, You hang out in this weird, strange building. Uh, Your friends, even the nice ones, you always get the impression, don't you, that uh, they feel a little bit sorry for you, even though they get you. They kind of feel a little bit sorry for you. I was called Amish in the week, um, (laughs) something to do with the kids. Um, But yeah, people kind of feel sorry for you. And you can start to think that yourself, that you're on this weirdo's path, uh, that you've got this strange hobby and people look down on you. Well, even if you feel at times that you're on this path that's inferior to the world, 
uh, inferior to your friend with the Porsche and the mansion. Peter says, uh, you may be different to the world around you, but you're the envy of Bible history. Did you spot that? Have a look at verse 10. He says, uh, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Do you see, you are the envy of Bible history. That's the path that you're on. God has been working through the entirety of Bible history so that you could hear the gospel. I don't know how you heard the gospel over a cup of tea uh, through a friend or a big meeting or at university, but God has been working through the entirety of Bible history so that you could hear the gospel. And you are the envy of Bible history. Um, Does anyone remember the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Great movie. I told Dan Octavio about it. He goes, I thought he looked like Ted, or one of those from Bill and Ted. But he uh, he didn't know it. Anyway, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is about these uh, teenagers who get their hands on a time machine for their history project. And they go through history kidnapping famous uh, people from history. So they kidnap Mozart. They hit... uh, they kidnap uh, Socrates, who they call Socrates, and um, they kidnap uh, Genghis Khan, they kidnap uh, Joan of Arc, and they bring them to this shopping mall in, uh, in America in the late 80s, and they all want, all these um, figures from history all want to stay in this 80s America. Genghis Khan wants to stay there because they've got metal baseball bats that he can hit people with. Um, Joan of Arc, I think she really loves exercise gear. And um, Mozart got really into those 80s synthesizers. And so they all wanted to stay in 1980s America. Well, if Bill and Ted went throughout Bible history... And they took, uh, they kidnapped Moses and Isaiah and King David and Abraham, uh, even Abraham, with this burning bush experience. They would want to be in your shoes, Peter says. They would want to be in your shoes because you are the envy of the Bible, because of the gospel that you've got in your hands, because of the mission that you've been given to make disciples of all nations, because of the church that you're part of, because of the Holy Spirit which unites you with Jesus and guarantees you that you will be raised uh, like him and receive your inheritance. You are the envy of history, the envy of Bible history. You're the envy of history, you're the envy of heaven, even angels long to look into these things. I wonder whether you ever thought that. You might have been conscious that you're different. But I wonder whether you appreciate just how good that difference is. Peter says all of Bible history points to what you have in your hands now and you are the envy of history. I reckon that's worth getting pretty excited about, isn't it? Peter says it should shape the way that we see ourselves. It should shape the way we live our lives. So we haven't got too much do this, do that application today. That's going to come in the rest of the letter of 1 Peter. But for now, as we uh, dwell on these opening 12 verses of 
uh, 1 Peter, I want to say to you, just embrace the difference. Know that you are different. Know that you are a weirdo in the world's eyes. But that is a very good thing. Because you have been given a hope that no one else has. You have been given a joy that no one else can experience. And you are on a path that only those who trust in Jesus are on. And they are the envy of the Bible. Let's pray.